and Pogba leaves for McTominay! Magnificent! Torres, he's done it again! He has fizzed that into the bottom corner. Vardy for Chowdhury. And set for Madison! Alisson saw Salah running from his own half, so onside here, Mo Salah. Salah to settle it! In front of the cop! There's no feeling like that feeling! And now you've got to believe them. You have got to believe them. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 3PL Podcast. This week we're bringing you a slightly different episode with an upcoming international break. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to try and predict the England squad for the upcoming Euros this summer. Again, Angus joins us uh, this week to name his squad. So without further ado, let's get into it. And yeah, have you guys got your squad all noted down? I have. It's all ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Got got some names written down on a sheet. I'm trying to whittle it down to a sensible 23 people a lot harder than I thought it was going to be actually there's a lot of people that I'd forgot existed but they're actually pretty good aren't they yeah it's actually insane how few players 23 actually is I could have easily had a squad of 35 players and I wouldn't have batted an eyelid <laughs> I think actually my first run through when I wasn't counting it probably was about 35 players maybe even 40 gonna need a bigger plane yeah so what you're saying is Gareth Southgate has a difficult job on his hands but We'll try and make it easy for him and hopefully maybe he'll take some notes on what we have to say and um, maybe we'll see just how similar his squad is to the ones that we name. but I think they're going to be pretty far off, to be honest. Anyway, the logical place to start is the goalkeeper position and it's a goalkeeper position which has been nailed down for a long time by Jordan Pickford. Admittedly, I don't think he's in the best form of his life. I guess he makes the squad. I mean, what do you guys think? I think he gets in there on merit at the moment and nothing else. Yeah, to be honest, Pickford doesn't actually even make my squad. I think, I mean, if we're working on the basis of taking two goalkeepers just so that we can get a few... Um... A few more outfield players in. I, I don't actually think I'd rate Pickford at the moment to be in goal for England. He's been pretty poor a lot of the time for Everton. And I don't know, it's just something about him doesn't fill me with confidence. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I really don't think he's in the best form of his life. And I think he would be a, a bit of a liability. I very much agree. Um, also not taking Pickford. I have a couple of reasons. One of them, I would worry about squad harmony, taking Pickford. You're former number one. You're number one for quite a few years. I think taking him and having him as backup to, say, Pope might work on Pope's mind and unsettle him. And your goalkeeper, more than almost any other position, needs to be very confident in themselves. They need to be thinking, I am the number one. I am the, I am the keeper who's going to be playing game in, game out, which obviously hints towards my first choice of goalkeeper, Pope. And I really struggled for my second choice. My second choice goalkeeper was toss up between Henderson but my worry about him is that he's not played enough games at Man United. If he's been number one at Man United, he'd be in. Possibly a bit of a wild card. I'm going to go with Johnston as my second choice. I think he's had a great season at West Brom. Yes, in a difficult team. But he's looked assured at times, confident. And I think he'd make a great backup goalkeeper to Pope. Yeah, it's very interesting that you both guys have gone without Pickford. Uh, obviously, he's the goalkeeper that's played in the last two major tournaments for England. And in my opinion, he's got a lot of upside as well as a lot of downsides he's one of those goalkeepers who offers a lot not just in terms of shot stopping but I think when it comes to a penalty shootout he's probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League maybe English goalkeeper in the Premier League for that situation we've seen in the past in the um, Nations League we've also seen it against Colombia in the last World Cup he is a goalkeeper who can pull out great saves when it comes down to that situation and I feel like overlooking that could be a bit of a an oversight and then like you guys have said I think Nick Pope is is realistically the best goalkeeper we have at the moment 
Uh, I think he's got the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. The English goalkeeper with the most Premier League clean sheets this season. And I guess if you're going to pick goalkeepers on merit, then he's got to be your number one pick. So likewise, I think with both of you guys, I've gone with him for my number one choice. And as for a second one, I think I am going to pick Jorgen Pitford just because he's the goalkeeper who's embedded in this England setup. And I think if you take out like maybe the beating heart of a setup, someone that everyone gets along with, someone who people are used to having around, it might upset the harmony, unlike, you know, what you're saying, Angus, about that rivalry between goalkeepers. I don't really think that would exist too much if it's in a major tournament. Um, and I think if Nick Pope does start the games, I don't think Pickford would have too much of an issue with it either, to be honest. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention the expected goals against and for as a part of the reason behind why I decided to go against Pickford. Pickford is actually concedes more goals than he's expected to, whereas Johnson saves 6% more than he's expected to. And this is why Nick Pope has to be number one to me. Nick Pope has the second best record in the Premier League and saves 20% more shots than he's expected to, which is an incredible stat. Johnston's a really interesting shout because it'd be very unusual for a keeper that's most likely going to get relegated to end up going to a major tournament in the summer. But in terms of like keepers that have had a lot to do this this season and you know he's had a lot of experience hasn't he he's probably faced more shots than pretty much any goalkeeper in Europe I would say probably based on the way West Brom play and how defensively weak they are so he's definitely had a lot of practice he's definitely seems to be in form and as you say he's he's, uh, saving more goals than he'd be expected to so maybe a bit of a sort of a wild card pick that he could could maybe in be in Southgate's mind but I don't know whether he's going to be able to get himself ahead of like those other three more natural selections just to confirm uh, what you guys' selections are for goalkeeper then. Uh, Peter, what are you going with? So I'm going with Pope and uh, Henderson as my backup. I'm going with Pope and Johnston. OK, and I'm going with Pope and Pickford. So we've all gone slightly differently there, but Pope's the one goalkeeper that all of us have picked. So fingers crossed his first choice going into the tournament or going into the pre-match friendlies, whatever. Uh, it'd be great to see him get a good chance in this England team. And I think he's shown this season and last season and probably the last four seasons why he should be England number one. I think it's about time he gets his turn, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll see if that one happens. Uh, Moving on to defenders then, which is all starting to get a little bit more difficult now because there are so many to pick from and you've got left-backs, right-backs, centre-backs. And, yeah, I mean, this is going to be very difficult, but we'll start with left-backs. And there's been one standout left-back this season in the Premier League. That's been, you know, Luke Shaw, and it's been absolutely amazing to watch because he's rejuvenated himself at Manchester United. I think a lot of us really thought he was kind of past the best in his career, wouldn't refine his, his good form and, you know, so very susceptible to injuries and he hasn't really picked up any injuries this season, which is why he's been so great consistently. So I guess you've all got him in your squads, but yeah, who, who have you guys got in terms of partnering or, or also at that left-back spot? I really struggled when it came to the left-back position. After Shaw, Shaw for me, like you said, he was the obvious contender. He straight away went into the side for me. I've gone with Chilwell, but... And it is a big but. He's struggling to become first choice left back for Chelsea, which to me puts him at risk in getting to the side. But still, I think he's out of all the left backs, probably the best one around. Well, best second choice. I really considered Saka from Arsenal. I think he offers so much to a squad because he can play in so many different positions. And that flexibility, I think, is really important, especially as we spoke about a squad depth of only having 23 players. However, in the end, I went with Chilwell. Yeah, I think Chilwell does seem like the obvious second choice, isn't it? In terms of if you look at who's consistently been the best left backs 
in the Premier League. But Kieran Trippier is going to be a really interesting one because it's very rare that you see players getting called up to the England squad who don't play in the Premier League. That's mainly just because pretty much all the good English players do play in the Premier League. But Trippier obviously has gone from being really solid for Tottenham for years, sort of dwindled a bit, but then went to Atletico Madrid where he's still having a really good season. And from what I've heard, he's he's playing a really key role in the way Atletico Madrid play. So he definitely like puts himself in consideration. And then obviously I have to give a special shout out to Aaron Creswell, who has been phenomenal for West Ham this season. I don't think he gets in the squad just because of how good the other players are around him. But when you have a season as good as him, it's it's the kind of form that you see players getting called up to the national squad for. I think he's just unfortunate that he plays in a position where England have got such a wealth of talent at the moment. Yeah, it's really a packed position for England as well. And I can't believe none of you are putting Trippier in just from that free kick he scored in the last World Cup. I thought that'd be enough to get him into most people's squads. You know, he's got that ability at set pieces. Perhaps he's the guy you want in, a, you know, the last minute situation when there's a free kick at the edge of the box. But yeah, he probably wouldn't make my team either. And I'm, I'm, I'm again, very tempted by Matt Target. I think he's had probably the best season of his career at Aston Villa. Um, it's obviously been a defence that has been really, really solid this season and they've kept plenty of clean sheets. And he's probably been one of the most integral parts of that setup for them. So I think to overlook him would be an oversight from Gareth Southgate. But ultimately, I do think Ben Chilwell is the better backup at left back. I think he's got that experience at Leicester. He's got that experience now at Chelsea. And he just is going to, you know, bring that all round kind of defensive game to that England squad if chosen. So I think Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell probably going to be your one and two, in my opinion. Yeah, just the only thing with Chilwell, as Angus said, is obviously his playing time and whether that puts a doubt in Southgate's mind as to whether he's a viable option. If he's not been playing for Chelsea, can you justify taking a player to an international tournament who's who's not played for pretty much the second half of the season? And that's where someone like Target or Trippier might find themselves getting a call up. And I definitely agree, Target has been a really, really solid player for Aston Villa and he probably does deserve to be considered as well. When it comes to Target, you have to consider the centre-backs you're taking in. If you choose to take Mings, then I think target makes a lot of sense, more so than Trippier, because I think at that point, you'd have the balance of having two players who are used to playing week in, week out together, and they play the same side of the pitch. But it all depends on... It's such a balancing act. Now, can I just make you realise how tricky it must be for Southgate? Well, I still don't think he's a great manager. <laughs> Couldn't resist a little jab there. I'm sure we'll get plenty more of those. But yeah, who have you gone for at left back then as your locked in left backs? Yeah, sure and cheer well for me as well. We're just they, they seem like the obvious choices, don't they? But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Southgate do something a little bit different. Um, I think it's definitely a position that's open for, for some variability. But yeah, those two are, are taking the spot for me. All right, moving on to right backs then. And this one's probably slightly more cut and dry in my opinion. I think there are plenty of good right backs, but there are, are two maybe three who stand out above the rest. Obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't having the best season of his career. If anything, he's probably having the worst. Um, in a very injury-struck Liverpool side, you know, they've really struggled to keep clean sheets this season. And I think that's really hindered him. I think he's had to do a lot more defending this season, which I don't think he's quite as good at as attacking. And that's really, you know, found him out a little bit. But despite that, I do think he's probably the best defender we have at right back, which is a bit controversial when you look at the other players who could be in the squad in that position. You've got Kyle Walker as well, very experienced Man City player. But again, like Peter said, he's not had a lot of game time this season. So it'll be very interesting to see if Southgate really does take that into consideration or whether Kyle Walker's experience in the setup will just see him straight into the squad. And then you look at the other two players probably who are going to be in the mix. I mean, I would say James Justin, but I think he's had a you know a cruciate ligament injury, which will probably keep him out of the tournament. But then you've got Reese James and Juan Bissaka who could easily get into the squad as well. So I'm very interested to see um, what you guys think of this position. 
I think we should just field a whole team of right backs and left backs, to be honest, because we'd probably be able to get a full 11 out of them. It would be a really exciting team to watch, to be honest. But yeah, I think Trent, you know, regardless of how poor his season has been, I think he's the first name on the right back list for me. You can't leave him at home. He is an exceptional player and we know what he can do with the right players around him and in the right game. I would go for Wan-Bissaka, actually. I think he offers something different to Trent. If Trent gets injured, he's he's a good backup for him, but he also changes sort of the way that team sort of sets up a bit as well. I think you should take Wan-Bissaka purely on his insane tackling ability. Like, I, I know it's not anything revolutionary to be saying this, but I don't think I've ever seen a defender, especially a right back or a left back, who wins more tackles consistently when sliding in or, or sticking a leg in. His his rate of, of winning those tackles is insane. And you can see that being really, really useful against some of the European teams that play on the wings a lot. If he can make those tackles and intercept and get the ball moving in the other direction, that could be a real benefit to the team. So possibly controversially, I, I've actually chosen to take three right backs. I've taken Trent, Walker and Juan Bissaka. And my thought process is that Walker can play right centre-back and right-back. So he can move across if we have a crisis at, in the defence. So I wanted the three of them. Like you said, Juan Bissaka, later stages of the tournament, I'm thinking Juan Bissaka, if you're coming up against a France, a Germany, you'd be very tempted to swap Trent out for him. Or if you're trying to close out a match, say England are winning 1-0 and it's 60 minutes ago, in my eyes, you'd take Trent off. You bring Juan Pesaka on and you have, like you said, possibly the best defensive right-back England have to offer. But when going forwards, you definitely want Trent. Trent is a talent which I don't think England have had many of. A right-back with the ability he has is it's incredible. His passing range, the way he can whip the ball in. And quite often, England struggles to break teams down. So I think that's where you really need Trent in the side, just to, that added creativity from out wide. Yeah, 100%. He's definitely one of the best right-backs probably we've ever had in, in terms of an England squad. I think Gary Neville always obviously held down that position for a long time. Then we had Kyle Walker back there for a long time. But I do think Trent Alexander-Arnold realistically is going to be in this England squad for the next maybe five, ten years. And, you know, I think that's testament to his game and how much he's going to improve as well over the next couple of years because he has just got everything and he's the complete package. But like you said, I think Aaron Wambasaka is the most underrated probably defender in this England setup. I don't think he's ever had an England cap. And his... Tackle percentage or tackle success rate this season has been unreal. I think he's got the highest tackle success rate in the Premier League with 88.5%, which is, you know, he's basically winning every single 50-50 tackle he's going into. So if he can translate that into, you know, a high pressure situation in the Euros, then you'd be stupid not to take him. And for the same reason, I've kind of gone with what Angus has done here and, and take Carl Walker, not just because he can play right back, but because he's, you know, very versatile and he can play centre back as well. So I think you can double up there and then almost get yourself another player in that right-back position, which is probably perfect for this situation because I don't think any of those players deserve to miss out on the squad after the season they've had. So, yeah, I would take Trent, Walker and Wan-Bissaka. Yeah, I like both of your thinking there with Walker because it's one of the benefits of having players that play in a Pep Guardiola team is they will have played in various positions in their time there. And even, even if they've not done it in matches, you can guarantee they all play weird little positions in their training matches just because Guardiola wants to see what they can do so it's definitely a good good option to have someone with that versatility at the back sort of like a utility player that we often don't have in the England team we often have players that are very good at one position but once you take them out of that position it all falls apart so definitely good to have a bit of flexibility 
you're forgetting as well that Kyle Walker has made an appearance in goal for Man City. So, you know, if all goes to shit and we have two goalkeepers injured, you've got Kyle Walker, he can jump in at the back there as well. So, all right, then moving on to centre-backs. And I guess we've talked about it a little bit, so it kind of takes out one from me and Angus's selections. We've both gone for, I guess, a hybrid in that. We've gone for Kyle Walker at centre-back as well. But then you've got, you know, some, some really good centre-backs this season who have stood out, especially... One in particular, I think, who deserves a huge shout out for the turnaround in his form. I think John Stones is definitely the player who should be first on the team sheet at centre-back. I think he's had the probably a season of his career and that's without even playing all the games. I think he was injured at the start of the season and then he's been in and out because it's pep rotation. You know, you can't expect to start two games in a row and he's just excelled in every appearance he's made, really. And yes, yeah, testament to him because I think a lot of people thought he was done after Man City signed two centre-backs in the summer. Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake, you would expect John Stones to maybe look for a different team and, and just surrender his place in the Man City setup. But he hasn't done that. He's come back and he's, you know, put in the, probably the best season of his career. So, yeah, I think John Stones is a, is a you know, instant pick for me. Picking the other three, because I think you've got to pick four max in the, in the squad, um, is more of a challenge. And a challenge I'm going to let you guys go first on. I can jump in on this if you like. So yeah, I've gone for Stones, Maguire, Cody... And then I really struggled because part of me was tempted to just keep Walker as a right-back, centre-back, swapping between the two and have more space further up the pitch to have extra players. Instead, I've dropped one and I've gone for Keane as well. I think Keane's had a really good season, quite a solid choice. There's considerations of Mings, concert at, again, Aston Villa's had a really good season. However, I just want the experience of playing for England. Keane's got some, it's not a huge amount, but it's more so than they have and I think when you're going to a big tournament you do need a few older heads and I picked on the whole a relatively young squad and I think I need a few players in there especially at the back with experience so Stones, Maguire, Cody Keane we've got a lot of voices there I think it's pivotal for the, the way our tournament will go. I've gone very similar so I've gone Stones and Maguire and then Keane and then Tyrone Mings is my fourth choice I think Villa have been really good defensively. It's just a shame that Martinez in goal isn't uh, English because we could do with him, to be honest, with the way he's been playing. But yeah, I think Mings is just a really useful player to have around the squad. He's got a great sort of ability for his age. Balance that against the fact that, you know, Keane, Stones and Maguire have got a bit more international experience. So he can be sort of there to learn from them and it's good experience for him to develop for future tournaments. Um, I think the rest of them almost pick themselves from my mind. Stones and Maguire definitely do. They're they're first centre-backs on the team sheet and I expect to see that being our main centre-back pairing for the tournament. And I think they clearly do get on well and they've got a good sort of rapport between them. And obviously, in an ideal world, they never get injured and they never need to be rotated. But I think if you do have to rotate the centre-backs, then you could you could do a lot worse than Keane and Mings as your backups. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's actually funny. You could pretty much name an England squad entirely of Aston Villa players um, Obviously, their second-choice goalkeeper is Tom Heaton, so you could literally have a back five of Aston Villa players with Target, Cash, Concert and Mings. But ultimately, I don't think too many of those players are going to end up in the squad. And although you guys think Tyrone Mings is going to potentially get a spot, I just I have doubts about him, I guess. I think a lot of the other players in this squad have a lot of assets and, you know, like key attributes that probably make them more of a shoe-in than, than him. I know he's a very strong leader. He has the captain armband when Grealish isn't on the team. But I just think there are probably better players in this squad, like the ones you've named, who are probably going to be you know, a lot easier to choose for Gareth Southgate. But then there are some other players in this centre-back position who are going to be very unlucky to miss out. Um, Connor Cody is one that 
Angus's names. Um, obviously, he's been capped by England very recently, but for me, I just don't think he's quite the player that we can rely on in that position. I think he's probably had probably his most temperamental season at Wolves. Obviously, they've struggled a lot, and I think he's probably struggled a lot as well. I think he had COVID, and then, you know, I think he struggled to get back into the team. But yeah, I think he's probably one who's going to be on the fringes for sure. And then you've got players who aren't, we haven't even mentioned yet, like Chris Smalling, like you said, player playing outside of the Premier League, probably unlikely to get a look in. But I think he's really starting to find his game in Roma, probably slightly unlucky not to be considered. And again, someone else, James Tarkowski at Burnley, part of that key partnership at Burnley, you know, that back three who they just rely on every week of Ben Mee and Nick Pope, who will be in the squad probably. So another player who has had a very good season, who probably will just miss out, which is very harsh considering the season that all these players have had, you know, that they've all had good seasons and ultimately one of, or I guess like five on this list are going to miss out. So yeah, four players there who I think we can all agree on are probably going to be in the squad. I guess if you can include Kyle Walker at centre-back, I think Maguire, Stones and Keane will be the ones that, that we fall upon. So yeah, I think that pretty much sorts out those positions actually. So just to confirm, I've gone for Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire, John Stones and Michael Keane. And in a similar vein, I've, I've gone with Stones, Maguire, Keane and Cody. Also with Kyle Walker as a potential backup if we have a horrific injury crisis. And yeah, I've gone for Stones, Maguire, Keane and Mings. Um, so very similar to Angus, but yeah, just with Mings instead of Cody. Yeah, and I guess just going back on the defence in general, like how much do you put down to England experience as to your selection process? Do you do you value that above other things? Do you value that above their own attributes? Do you think England experience is pivotal to picking players to go to these major tournaments? Obviously, we've seen in the past people like Theo Walcott go to the go to the tournament without any previous England experience. Is it something that's important to you guys? I don't think it's as important as some people like to make out. You, you see some people getting really, really irate in the build-up to tournament when people talk about like young players coming in. They're like, oh, they, they've never played on that stage before. But most of these players have played on a hugely prolific stage before, whether it's the Premier League or a lot of them the Champions League or Europa League. You know, All of those tournaments are watched internationally. So there's a, still a lot of pressure on them all the time. They're used to playing under pressure. They have a huge amount of media training and, and a huge amount of support now in terms of how to handle the media and the pressure. So I think, if anything, it's become easier for young players to go to those tournaments and settle in now. And and also, I think bringing sort of young players that are enthusiastic and inexperienced sometimes can really help the team because they've got that passion, they've got that excitement, and it's that sort of feeling of this is their first time, they've got to impress in their first time to make sure that they're there for the rest of it. So I really enjoy seeing players without that sort of previous experience going to the squad and making a name for themselves. One of the biggest examples of this is Michael Owen in 98. He came in fresh-faced, barely played for England, barely played for Liverpool, and scored one of my favourite goals of all time. I can remember watching it live. It was incredible. I think having youth players is better up front. I think having a young player in your attacking midfield or in your strikers, where they have that chance to be creative and they don't need to be overly experienced. You just want them to get the ball and have the freedom to attack and be willing to take risks. Whereas for me, I think you do need some experience at the back. I think you need a few wise heads how to deal with the pressure of how it comes on. Not so much, it doesn't have to be England experience, although I do like to have a couple of players of international experience at the back. But I think it's even more important that they have big game experience. So they've got experience playing in the Champions League or playing in big, massive premiership matches. I, I think that's where Stones and Maguire have to be shooing as the our centre-back partnership because they are the players who've been there and done it. Yeah, exactly. And 
I think that experience will probably help out the team in those major situations. You know, if you get to the semi-finals and you're coming up against one of the better teams in the tournament, you're obviously going to need centre-backs who are aware of the enormity of that situation and have knowledge of the, the team they're up against and, you know, how to use their strengths to neutralise the opposition. So I think you're right in the sense that, you know, these players do need to have experience, whether that be Premier League experience or international experience. I think it all helps in defence. Whereas, I guess, if you have younger players up front, um, they've got a little bit more freedom there to take the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, make a name for themselves. Whereas if you make a mistake in defence, you, you know, you're going to get ridiculed for it. And if you make a mistake, you know, in a, in midfield or up front, you're probably less likely to feel the, the real strain of that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's right to probably put experienced heads at the back and, and rely on your more, less experienced players to, to do the attacking work. Right, moving on then, we have midfielders starting in the centre uh, with a couple of players who are probably, you know, shoe-ins already, Jordan Henderson... You know, England captain most of the time when Harry Kane isn't in the team is almost guaranteed to make the squad, I think. Yes, he's got a bit of an injury at the moment with Liverpool, but I don't think that will stop him from being a part of this tournament. I think it's a fairly minor one and I think he'll definitely be probably first choice centre mids. I don't think he offers a whole lot in terms of the way he, he plays, in terms of England's setup. He's never really played much of a pivotal part in that centre mid. I don't think he's really, you know, the player you would really, really want in the centre centre of the park. But for me, I think in the same setup, he's probably the best option we have. Partnering him up most likely with Declan Rice, which will probably please Peter because he's had a great season and it's probably half the reason West Ham are doing as well as they are this season. I think he's had an exceptional season and he's really built on what was a very solid foundation last year. I think he really came good at the end of that season and then he's just carried it into this season and yeah, he's just getting better and better of every game, which is you know, great to see from an England perspective because I think he's probably going to be ultimately the one that we rely on in every game in the future. I think once Jordan Henderson falls out of the picture, I think Declan Rice will take on that role, which does leave probably one or two other spaces for other players. And there are some good options there, I think. But in my opinion, I think this is where England are the weakest. I think it's the, the position that we probably struggle with the most. And ultimately, I think we'll all end up picking the same players for this position. But yeah, I think it's very limited in terms of good prospects and sentiment. Yeah, I'd argue this is possibly the weakest centre midfield options we've had in a good couple of generations. We have players who are solid, but I wouldn't say that they haven't got the talent of what we've had in the past when we've had players like Scholes, Gerrard, Lampard, even players like Gareth Barry, who was, I would say was of a higher standard than the players we have at the moment. However, I I would agree, Henderson, Rice, they've got to be in this team. And then I've only gone for three centre mids. And I've gone with my third option is James Ward-Prowse. Mainly for, more than anything, his set-piece ability to bring him in. I think you mentioned earlier about Trippier being a last, if you're late in in the game, who do you want signing over a free kick? I think if you're in like 8th, 5th, 86th minute and you've got a free attacking free kick, even if he's on the bench, I would generally consider bringing James Ward-Prowse on just to take an attacking free kick. He offers the ability to really hold be a holding midfielder, he's really he's become very solid in that position for Saints. He he will run all game. He doesn't get injured. Versatile. He's played right back before us in the past for Southampton. Uh, he can play right mid. He can play pretty much all over the pitch. And I think that versatility is really important in a international squad where you don't have that strength of depth. Yeah, I guess he has basically replaced David Beckham in that sense, you know. Centre mid, right mid, can take free kicks, like for like swap. I know you like him, but I'm still not sure I get the comparisons with Beckham. And obviously with the free kicks, yes. Not sure he's got the full package that Beckham had, though. To be honest, um, but yeah, no, I, have I would, I would exact... be lying if I if I said otherwise. I'm just you know a little bit biased. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, having said that, I have I've included Board Prowse as well. Um, I've gone with the exact same three as Angus. Declan Rice has to be on that sheet, as you said, Matt. I think he's going to be sort of one of the first names on the team sheet for England for sort of for this generation that's coming through. And I think it's it's really important for him to get experience at a major tournament now. He's played quite a few games for England now, but obviously he needs to play some proper competitive games and get involved in that. And I think he will be a really valuable asset for England. I do have to say, Angus, the idea that Gareth Barry is it was better quality than than Declan Rice is now is absolutely ludicrous but you know i'll let you have i that wanted one. to call if him out on that as well better. what gareth <laughs> yeah. barry have you been watching gareth barry at one did point, you like level up gareth barry not in so much. Mode at some point <laughs> <laughs> maybe not maybe not vice but i'd say he's as good as if not better than henderson this is a player who got a lot of caps there'll be a lot of angry fans out there for man city he got a lot of appearances i'm trying to think of other players owen hargreaves quality center mid Lots of injuries, though, but... You're, you're pulling out some absolute stinkers here. Um, <laughs> I don't think Owen Hargreaves or Gareth Barry would get anywhere near this team. I've got to be brutally honest there. I really do think the centre-mids that we have, may, whilst they're not the best, I, I do think they're better than those guys. And actually, I've, I've gone slightly different to you guys. I've gone Jordan Henderson, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse, obviously. And I've also gone for Jude Bellingham of, of Borussia Dortmunds, uh, which is rogue, I know. Um, but he's a player who definitely surpasses his years in terms of experience. Yes, it's his first season or first full season at Borussia Dortmund, but he's shown enough to me in, in a very limited amount of viewing time that I've seen him play that he's just as good as some of these midfield players that we have in the squad already. Um, he plays in the Champions League week in, week out for Borussia Dortmund, and that shows me so much that the, the manager must trust him to do a job in that team uh, in, on the highest possible stage of, in, of club football. And he's been doing it and he hasn't looked out of place at all. Yes, he's young, but like you said, I think you've got to have one or two of those players in the squad who are going to seize the opportunity and really take it by the scruff of the neck. And I think he's one of those players who could just make a difference. I mean, yes, he'd probably come on as fourth choice midfielder. I think James Ward-Prowse would probably be stubbed in over him. But if you're really looking for someone to open up a defence, maybe, or give you a different look going forwards, I do think Jude Bellingham is one of those players who you could easily have in the squad just as a backup option. And maybe if you, you know, have you've won your first two games in the group, coming up against, I can't remember who we have, I think it's Czech Republic in the last game of the group. Why not give Jude Bellingham a run out? I think he would be more than capable of, of playing that that deep um, central role for, for England. I really do. I'm interested in what you both think about Calvin Phillips. He's had a few caps for England now. Been injured for quite a long period of time, so hasn't impacted maybe on the, seat, on the league as much as people probably would have thought he would have done. But for Leeds, when he is fit, he's been so pivotal to them when they play well. We've all missed him out. I wondered what was your guys thinking behind of missing him out? I'm not convinced, to be honest. I think he's good for Leeds. I think he works well in the Leeds system and I think he he gels well with the team that he plays in. But I think if we're talking of sort of like average midfielders, I, I genuinely think that's all he is. I, that might be harsh. He could prove me wrong. And I'd be I'd be happy if he did prove me wrong one day and became an absolute star player for England. But bringing a player like him into the squad for me would just show a, a real lack of like ambition in terms of picking a player that hasn't done a huge amount to sort of prove himself as being anything better than some of the players we've already got. And I'd have to say, you know, Matt's pick of Bellingham fills me with a lot more excitement than Calvin Phillips. I think he's got a lot more potential, and and from from what I've seen of him as well, has probably got a lot more talent. The fact I've left him out, I guess. Because says everything I think about him. I don't think he's a bad player, obviously. 
He's had England caps. So you've got to be doing something right to get an England cap in the first place. And he's been very good for Leeds. He's their captain. He's their playmaker. But ultimately, I just don't see enough end product of him. I mean, yes, he has a couple of assists this season. But is that really what you want from your centre midfielder? You, you want a centre midfielder really to be driving on and offering that box-to-box option, you know, defensively and, and getting forward and providing not just goals, but assists. And honestly, I just don't think he's got that much star quality to his game. I think he's a very run-of-the-mill centre midfielder. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I obviously think he's a quality footballer and he's, and he's rightfully playing week in, week out for Leeds. But ultimately, I think everyone we've picked in this centre mid spot has got something to offer in terms of their individual skill set. Whereas I just don't think he's quite at that level yet. I think he could get there. But ultimately, I think someone like Jude Bellingham, a bit more exciting, that youth, you know, the physicality of his game, getting forward, uh, defending, has just got more to offer, which is harsh. but. Um, yeah, that's just the way I've been thinking about that. So, yeah, he doesn't make my squad, unfortunately. OK, moving on then to uh, midfielders who, I guess, could be classified as central attacking midfielders or cams, players who can, I guess, play across the front three, either left wing, centre mid or, or right wing. I think they're all quite versatile. I think there are probably only like four players that fall into this category. And it's very difficult to, le- to leave any of them out of the squad, to be honest, because they're all having probably the best season to date of their careers. I guess the players who are probably going to be the first ones to be selected are going to be Mason Mount and Jack Grealish. I think those are two players who have England experience, have shone in an England shirt previously. And I think Gareth Southgate is a huge fan of both of them. So although Jack Grealish got a lot of stick, I think uh, a couple of months ago for not actually playing when selected by Gareth Southgate, I think he showed when he came on the pitch just how, how good he is. And I think he's completely changed his mind on that front. So I think those two players definitely get in. And then you're left with Phil Foden and James Madison, maybe to get that last spot. Uh, I think you can only really take three players in this position because they're all fairly similar. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see if you guys, uh, what you guys select here. Is it Phil Foden or James Madison? See, this is where I sacrifice an extra centre mid to get all four in. Well, I personally wouldn't start Mason Mount. I would start with Foden and Grealish. I think Grealish, I want England to give the ball to him as much as they can. He's the one who can really break teams down. He has that extra bit of quality which... It's so rare in an English player, the way he can go past players. He's so confident on the ball. And then having Foden on the pitch, he just he can pick a pass, which no other English player can do the way he does it. He's always on the half turn. Like I watched him last night and he picks the ball up about 45 yards out on the half turn, drives forward, lays the ball through perfectly. He's just a quality, quality player. And I think he's, he's the type of player who could really really shine at a tournament and make himself appear to be one of the greatest players in the world at the t- time. I think he's really got that talent. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I would be starting Foden as well. Foden and Grealish would be starting for me. And I think then I would I would take Mount and Madison. I'd take both of them. I think with those four, they're all in such good form that it's, it would be so harsh to leave any of them at home. And they've all got something they can offer. So I, I agree, I would take all four of them. Foden will go on to be one of the best players in the world, as we've all agreed on before. And and I think having him in the team from this age is is really important. He's becoming more and more of a player that features regularly for Man City. And if you're featuring in that team, then it shows you're good enough. And he doesn't just feature in the team. He stars for that team quite regularly when he plays. So he, he's got to be on the team sheet for me. And I think it would be a massive mistake from Southgate to not let him play a key role in this tournament. Yeah, whilst I agree with that, I do think those four players do offer a very similar threat. I think they've all got very similar games. And by taking all four of them, you're kind of, you know, taking four players who are going to do the same thing when called upon. So say Jack Grealish isn't doing it, you're bringing on Phil Foden or you're bringing on Mason Mount. You're basically going to have two players fighting over that one spot. 
So I've actually gone for three of them. I think form will play a big part into who does get selected for this position. We've seen Jack Grealish really fall off in terms of form. Yes, he's been injured. But before that, he wasn't really playing to his best. And it'll be interesting to see if Jack Grealish can refine his form and whether if he doesn't, he'll be one of those players who might be overlooked because we've seen Gareth Southgate somewhat you know, ignore him when he's been playing his best football. And I could easily see James Madison, Foden and Mount going over Jack Grealish just because of Gareth Southgate's agenda. So I don't want that to happen. I've, I've picked Jack Grealish as a result of that. And actually the one I've missed out is James Madison. Uh, which is harsh, uh, but he's the one player who hasn't really featured in England setup so far. Phil Foden's had a brief experience before his altercation earlier last year. Uh, Mason Mount's obviously very established in that England setup, and Jack Grealish has really become one of the star players uh, in this England team. In his brief appearances, he's become that player that we go to to look for creativity. And I think you take that out, it would be a huge oversight, and I think we'd definitely struggle as a result. So, unfortunately, I think James Madison is just probably the one who's going to offer the least out of those four which is harsh uh, considering the season Leicester are having and the season he's having. But I think Phil Foden, Jack Grealish and Mason Mount will offer you, offer you enough to um, make up for the absence of James Madison. Yeah, I think having three of them, obviously, as you say, in terms of them all filling the same role, um, makes sense because you don't want to have too many similar players. My logic in taking four of them is it's partially based on the fact that they all play in that role where it wouldn't be that unlikely for one of them to pick up an injury within the first few games. And then you need someone that's going to be able to come in as backup. And I think having backup in that position is really important because it is such a key area of the pitch in the modern game to have a player that can pull the strings from the middle and provide that attacking spark from the centre of the pitch. And if you if you don't have backup there and a couple of players get injured early in the tournament, that could sort of seal your fate really early on. So it's an area where I would like to see us having like as much talent and, and ability there, even if someone has to sit on the bench and have a disappointing tournament. I think for the good of the overall squad, it, it makes sense to have a real good strength in that, that area of the pitch. Especially when you consider it's often where England have lacked in the past. We go to tournaments and you, we often were solid side. Very rarely do you see teams cut up England. But however, what you do see is England failing to break teams down. And I think if we're going up against sides who've got, who are sitting deep, we could take out one of the centre mids. We might just play one defensive mid sitting and have three of them on the pitch. All that creativity, breaking them down. I think Mason Mount, out of the four of them, is the one who could drop back into the midfield. Maybe a little bit like how you mentioned about Bellingham. I, I, in my eyes, I think Mason Mount has the ability to go into midfield and play a deeper role, which, again, I think opens up the opportunities for Foden and Grealish. But I would agree, if I was to drop one, like you said, Matt, I would also drop Madison. I think he's the one who has the least to offer even though he's an incredible player, but I don't think he has quite as much creativity as the other three. Yeah, it sounds harsh to say, unfortunately, um, but it's nice to know that you agree with me and you've seen that too, because despite how good Leicester have been this season, uh, they have other players they can fall back on and we're about to move on to wingers where, you know, a lovely Leicester player falls into, but, you know, I, I just think without the, the other players around him, I don't think James Madison would be nearly as effective as he is. And it's harsh. I'm sure his time will come in the England shirt, but I just don't think it will be the summer, unfortunately, because this injury he's now picked up is now going to keep him out for the mm. next couple of games. And I think that could play a part too. But as I said, moving on to wingers, these are, I guess, the players who you're going to look to to make a difference in a game. I think it's all good and well looking to, you know, attacking midfielders like Mason Mount, Foden, Grealish to make that impact. But ultimately, if you don't have the wingers to pass still to put into good positions, um, it's going to be very difficult and 
I think we are somewhat very lucky that we have a, a, an abundance of good wingers. I think in recent tournaments, they've been underutilised, played in the wrong way, and we've learnt too much on Harry Kane up front. But I think if we can play a system that fits in some of these players, as well as Harry Kane going forwards, I think England are going to be near enough unstoppable with the um, supply they're going to have from those attacking midfielders. So I think I'd probably pick three wingers for this squad, which is controversial because obviously you don't have backup on both sides. But I think some of the players that I've named previously in attacking mid, like Phil Foden, can easily go out on the wing and do a job, like likewise Jack Grealish. So my three wingers I've gone for here are, are number one, Raheem Sterling. He's the player that will never be too far away from this England team. I think he's, you know, on his day, near enough unplayable. I think he is very, very good. I don't think he's shown it as much this season. I think, if anything, it's probably been one of his more disappointing seasons. But we've seen on his day just how good he can be. And I think that pace up against, you know, some of the lesser teams at the at the Euros will definitely be an asset. As well as Jaden Sancho, who has been very, very good for a long time now at Borussia Dortmund. One of those few players playing outside of the Premier League. That's English. I do think he should have, you know, maybe got that move to United in the summer. And I think we really would have seen the best of him had he done that. But as it is, we don't really know too much about him since we don't watch him every week. He's obviously putting up great numbers. That's um, in goals and assists. But ultimately, we've seen the best of him uh, in an England shirt. And I think he really, really will you know, embrace that starting role if he's given it. I think he is that player to now go on and, and be that you know star player out on the wing. And I think he easily could be. But I think he'll be fighting for that position with Marcus Rashford because I don't think Marcus Rashford will be a striker this summer. We'll take a lot of strikers, but I don't think Rashford will be that one that plays up front. So, yeah, I think I've just taken those three. I think Rashford, Sancho and Sterling is more than enough to offer you know, a, a lot going forwards. I think it's the easiest uh, selection of any position, really. I've gone with the exact same three. I think there's other players in and around there that would definitely be wanting a chance. One of them you actually mentioned earlier, Angus, in terms of left-back consideration was Saka from Arsenal. I think obviously he, he does play sort of as a left-back, left-wing-back, sometimes as a winger, and he's definitely got that versatility that means he's a player you might want in the squad. He's very, very talented, clearly got a lot of potential, but I don't know whether we've seen enough of him yet to justify a place in the squad. As we've said, it's a very difficult thing to do to whittle down this squad to the number of players, and I think especially in a winger position. The three players that you've mentioned already all have more to offer than Saka. Um, that's not to say Saka won't one day go on to be better than any of them, because I think he has the potential to to actually do that. I think he does clearly have a lot of talent. But right now, for this tournament, I, I just think it's a bit too early for him to be getting involved in a sort of a major tournament ahead of some of the other options that you've already mentioned. I very much agree on Sterling and Sancho. They Them two went straight into my team. And I have also gone with Rashford, but he was the one who I was on the edge about. I don't think he's had one of his best seasons. I think he's struggled at times this season. United have relied so heavily on Fernandes all the way through this season that I think at times Rashford is not being at his usual self. Uh, at times he's struggled with the ball. He's not looked as threatening. Doesn't look quite as quick as he used to. However, that could all change he might be better in England shirt. I think he's one of those players who has looked like that in the past where he comes alive more for England. I think especially during the Jose Mourinho's days where he was not really enjoying the United side. And in terms of Sterling, I think one of the reasons Sterling has struggled a little bit more this season is because of the way Pep rotates. He's been really in and out of that side. They've got so many top top quality wingers at Man City that it's a very difficult it must be difficult playing under Pep at times because you don't know if you're playing week in, week out. Playing in the left wing, you might be playing right wing, you might be up top. At the season, he's played up top quite a bit because Jesus and Aguero has been injured. Um, he's just not really had the same stable position which he had last season, which I think he really flourished under. 
but I still think he is the number one England winger. No, I just have one honourable mention for for wingers. I mean, he kind of ties into like the attacking mid um, or slash winger, so he kind of plays in both of those positions. I think, unfortunately, this is a player that I would like to see go to the Euros, but realistically, due to the other talent that's in those areas, he doesn't stand a chance. But I think if he carries on playing the way he has recently, um, Jesse Lingard is going to be thinking that he's got a chance of getting back into this England squad. He obviously once was a name that you would have expected to see in the England squad. We all know that he's not been at that level for quite some time, but since he's joined West Ham, he's been fantastic. He didn't play against Man United for us at the weekend, and and you could see the difference it made not having him in the team. He clearly has brought a huge amount to that squad. And he is, I think, a lot of, of the motivation he's got for playing well is not just to get himself back into form for his sort of domestic team but he's going to want to get back into that international squad and I think he's going to keep fighting I just don't personally I don't think he will be able to prove himself enough in the short space of time that it will take to to get himself into this team maybe one day maybe the next tournament comes around if he carries on as he is he's I think he's still got the potential to get back into this squad at some stage and do you think uh his previous experience in England shirt could stand him in good stead do you think you know that is enough to see him potentially get a spot this summer because We've seen a lot in the past that players have relied a lot on their reputation to get into the England squads and often they perform probably below average in the Premier League, but they'll still get into the squad. Do you think he's one of those players, again, who could just emerge as one of those players you chuck into a squad because of how well he's previously played played for England? Yeah, I think in years gone by that would definitely have happened and you could see it happening in this scenario perfectly. You know, he goes on loan to West Ham halfway through the season, plays really well, doesn't set the world alight, but plays well enough to put his name back in the frame. People start talking about him and he gets an England call up. But I think the difference now, as we've been saying over the last sort of like 20 minutes or so, is just that in that attacking mid-winger area, we've just got so much talent, so much ability. You know, even if you're only taking the three wingers of Sterling, Sancho and Rashford, as you said, you've got Foden can fill into that role as well. Um, Grealish can fill in on the wing. We've got, a between those players, you've got seven really high quality players that can play in pretty much any role across that area. And I think it would it'd be really difficult for Lingard to put himself in above any of those seven because they probably all justified their place in the team more than he has long term. So even though he has got that England experience, I don't think it would be enough to justify it at this stage. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we've all gone with the same three players as the wingers then. We've all gone for Sterling, Sancho and Rashford, which is leading us on nicely to the the final position that you'll have to pick. And it's probably the one that comes up the most in conversation as to who's going to be the the backup to Harry Kane and the squad. And I think, if anything, this season's probably been the one that's been the most competitive for that spot. We're lucky enough to you know watch the Premier League, which has so many great English attacking strikers and I think Gareth Southgate's never a real headache trying to pick three I would say because obviously one picks itself Harry Kane's always going to be in that team he's the captain penalty taker the one you're going to look to to get goals the majority of the time but then below that I think it's very very open I think there are probably four or five strikers who have had very similar seasons scored a similar amount of goals and probably offer the same threat but yeah it's going to be very interesting to see which ones he picks and I don't know how many you would take personally I've taken three I don't think you need too many more options than that, especially when you look at the attacking midfield talent. I think three strikers allows you one injury and then, you know, an impact sub off the bench. So I've gone for Calvert-Lewin as my second choice. I think he's probably been the best of the rest of the season. Scored goals in big games. He's a physical threat. Offers you something a bit different to Harry Kane. And he has, you know, proved the season that he can step up and score against the big teams, which is something I think in previous seasons we hadn't really seen. I think Everton rely too much on other strikers and, Finally, we're starting to see 
Calvert-Lewin really shine in that Everton team when he's very key to the way they play. Uh, the last spot is really up for grabs. Plenty of strikers in there who, you know, have had the odd cap here and there. And plenty of strikers who have scored over 10 goals this season. But it's very difficult to choose which one would fill that spot. So, yeah, I'm going to open up the floor, I guess, to you guys. <laughs> it The final spot is such a tricky one because I've very much like you have gone Kane and Calvert-Lewin and then I've gone with Danny Ings I, I know it's my Southampton bias he's had a poor couple of months the last couple of months because of injury but if fit and firing on all cylinders if you get an opportunity and if he's in the box you expect him to score I don't feel the same with a lot of the other strikers Bamford's I considered and I, he's very hit and miss when he's finishing and he's on a top notch. He looks amazing at times. But also, other games, he could be four yards out and miss. I, I just can't get my head around how he does it. Like, one week he looks world-class, next week he looks awful. I considered Tammy Abrahams, but again, he, I don't think he's had the best of seasons. I think that final position is really tricky. I, I wanted Mikel Antonio, but he's currently gone and signed for Jamaica. Yeah, it's a really tricky one to pick, actually. I think there's, there's plenty of players that sort of would justify putting themselves in the picture there. Kane and Calvert-Lewin seem like the two obvious ones. I've actually gone for Bamford as my third choice. I think he's he's proved a lot of people wrong this season. And we've spoken about it before, actually, whether he can get himself into the England squad by playing well this season. I think he's done enough to prove that he can. The other options, obviously, Ings, as you said, I don't think he's at the level where he's international tournament material at the moment. He's had some really, really good times over the last season and a half, maybe probably going back the last couple of seasons. But I I don't know. He, he's coming to the end of that period of really good play. I think he's not he's not at the peak of that. He's sort of tailing off. And I think, unfortunately, that rules him out for me. The other one, obviously, would be Tammy Abraham. But again, he doesn't play a lot for Chelsea at the moment. And I just don't think you can take a player that's not playing consistently. You need players that are getting chances, especially in the striker position. You need someone that's playing all the time and has got that real instinct drilled into them and is sharp. And I think Tammy Abraham's in that kind of position at the moment where he would play and he could get a chance on the plate and miss it just because he's not sharp enough. He's not been playing enough to react to it. And I think Bamford, that, that's what puts him in that position for me. And I don't really think there's anyone else that has justified being in the squad as much as he has. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I think before this, I'd already made up my mind and you've somewhat talked me out of it. But at the same time, I think the one player of these strikers who I think offers maybe the most in terms of goal-scoring ability, I think he's the most natural finisher of them all, is Tammy Abraham. I think on last season's form, he was obviously going to the Euros. He had a great season for Chelsea, played almost every game under Frank Lampard and, as we saw, scored a, a bucket full of goals as a result. And I don't think it's fair on him just to rule him out because he's not been playing games. I mean, Chelsea have obviously gone and signed probably the most ex expensive striker in Europe in Timo Werner, and he's not been doing it. And whenever Tammy Abraham has come into the team, he has supplied goals. That's something I've noticed this season, that he is that player they can turn to reliably to get the goals when he's playing up front. And I think it's the same for a lot of players at Chelsea. I think Giroud's done it, you know. So I don't think it's unheard of uh, for Tammy Abraham to be that last player to be picked. And I think, if anything, he's probably got the most to offer. I think he's a very natural goal scorer. If anything, he is probably very similar to Calvert-Lewin and Harry Kane in the way he plays. But I do think if you put him up front, in, if you need a goal in, you know, late extra time and your, striker, your strikers are tiring, I do think he's a great option to have. You know, he's young, he'll put in a shift. And, he, you know, he, I think he is probably one of the better finished out of those strikers that you've named. Like you said, I don't think Patrick Bamford's the one you can rely on in a pressure situation. We've seen it for Leeds. And if you're not going to do it against West Brom in, you know, the last minute, then you're probably not going to do it against Holland in the semi-finals. So 
I think that rules out a couple of players there. I don't think Ollie Watkins is worth considering for that same reason. I think he's equally had a very similar season to Bamford, scored some great goals, but equally missed some sitters at times. And I don't think you can say the same of Tammy Abraham. He hasn't really missed too many open opportunities. He has been injury prone this season, admittedly, but I think that just about, you know, sees him edge that position for me. Danny Ings, I think a year ago, I would have taken him, but I wouldn't now. I just don't think he's anywhere near his best and you'd be relying on him to stay fit for five games. And right now it doesn't seem very likely. I have a question for both of you. If Jamie Vardy's fit, came out of international alignment, would you take him instead? I 100% would. I thought it was a massive mistake from the previous management to, to let him retire or force him into retirement because of the strikers we had in the squad at that point. I thought he was the one striker we could look to for a different option. He offers something so much different to the strikers we have in contention at the moment. That pace to get in behind is probably the one skill he has over every other striker in the Premier League. He's the one you can look to to play that pass to and he'll time it perfectly because he's so used to doing it the last four or five seasons for Leicester. I think it was a huge mistake to let him leave England set up. I think he's one of those strikers you can rely on for goals. And I think he definitely offers more than my third choice, which was Tammy Abraham. So, yes, but I don't think it will happen. I think he's come to that stage in his career now where he isn't contemplating international football, which is a shame because I do think he has the most to offer out of those remaining strikers that we were talking about. If he wasn't retired, he would 100% be on my team sheet because he does offer that different spark that no one else has got. The only thing I would say about the striker position is it's as much as you want to make sure you've got the best possible players um, throughout the squad... I kind of feel like that third striker is probably the position you need to worry about least because realistically, as long as Harry Kane doesn't get an injury, he's going to play every game. Maybe he gets rested for the final group game if we've won the first two, but he he's going to play every knockout game that there is. And if he, if he comes off, it's probably going to be because we're winning and he wants a bit of a rest before the next game. So Kane, for me, fills that number one role like perfectly. And then Calvert-Lewin fills that backup role perfectly. And I think you're not really going to need a third striker unless there's a situation where we're losing in a knockout game and need to bring on, bring on someone to win. But in that situation, I'd probably be more inclined to do what we all spoke about earlier with the, the sort of attacking midfielders and the wingers that we've got and bring on an extra one of those to supply more into the box and they can drift into the box as well. We know that Sterling can score goals from a striker position. We know that Rashford can do it. So I think there's enough backup in terms of goal scoring that you don't need to worry too much about that third striker position at all. We also have John Stones at the top. <laughs> Very true. If you need a goal late in the tournament, stick John Stones up front and he'll probably head one in, to be honest. I'm not even joking, I would. Just as likely as any of those other players we were debating about. (laughs) All right, so I guess that sums up our squads, really. I think we've all chosen slightly different squads and justifiably, I think we picked players and left players out for good reason. And it'll be very interesting to see how similar, I guess, Gareth Southgate goes. I think his squad gets announced tomorrow as recording on Thursday this week. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see who he names and whether that team will give you some good indications as to you know who does make the squad in the summer. Um, obviously, it's a long way off the first game of the tournament, but do you guys, in your head, have a starting lineup that you could list off right now? Yeah, I do. I've got a, a very solid starting lineup. To be honest, I think it's really easy to pick who I wanted to start. The Pope starting in goal, yeah. and then I've gone for Trent, Stones, Maguire, and Shaw as the back four. The one controversial thing I've done is I've I've just picked uh, Declan Rice to play as like a lone CDM without Henderson. 
um, on the basis that Phil Foden can drop into that position as well if we're defending and then he can push forward as well while attacking. And then I've put Grealish in front of those two with Sancho and Sterling on the wings and Harry Kane in the middle. And I think if we play that lineup, we're going right to the end and we're going to win the tournament and bring it home. I've not been quite as bold, I'd say. So I've gone Pope, Trent, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, as I think we're all going to do. And then I have gone for a Henderson, Rice sitting midfield. And then I have Sterling out on the right wing. Foden is a cam. Grealish left wing and a Kane up top. Yeah, so following on from you guys then, I've gone very similarly. I guess I've gone somewhere in the middle between you, both of your lineups. I've gone for Pope and goal, back four of Luke Shaw, Maguire, Stones and Trent. And then obviously in midfield, I've got Henderson and Rice in that holding position. In front of them, I guess, is where it differs a little bit for me. I've gone for Greedish behind the striker and I've gone for James Sancho and Raheem Sterling on the wing with Carry Kane up front. So slightly different, but I think they offer very similar qualities to what you guys have gone with in your lineups. I think the unlucky players, I guess, in my lineup are Phil Foden, who I think you both named in your starting lineup. But I do think he's one of those players who can come off the bench and, you know, just light it up. So I think if Sterling or Sancho aren't doing it from the start, he's going to be the one you look to straight away. So... I really do think we've got a good chance of doing well at this tournament. Um, I guess my final question for you guys is how well do you think we'll get on? Uh, I'm optimistic. I think we can definitely make the semis. But I do think there are teams in Europe who just have the better team and the better manager. So I do think we'll get outdone by the, the Germanys, the Frances and the Italys and the Spains. So I do think, unfortunately, it will probably be defeat in the semis at Wembley again. Yeah, I think if, if we play the lineups that we've all spoken about, then we'll be in with a good shout to be honest because there's there's some great players in there I think what's interesting is although we've gone for a few differences um, primarily we've all gone with the same lineup it seems like there's a fairly obvious format that England should go with we all know who the best players are which means we can look forward to seeing Eric Dyer starting for England in the summer when Southgate named his first lineup in the tournament but obviously yeah I think based on the quality of players we've got and the ability that those players have got when they link up together and the fact they're all familiar with each other I do think we've got a really good chance to do well but I I have to agree with you Matt I think there's there's other squads out there that have just got that little bit more quality and more depth and I think we will probably come short in the semis or you know hopefully not as early as the quarters but the semis is probably as far as we'll get and if we do get to the final I think if we come up against like France or Germany or Portugal even Spain although Spain aren't sort of like the the big team that they used to be. They've still got some quality players and it's going to be tough, whatever. I mean, if you're going to win a tournament, you've got to beat the best, haven't you? And I think we've got the potential to do it, but I'm never going to get my hopes up too much for an England team because we've all been disappointed far too many times in the past to, to let ourselves get too excited. I'm also going to say semi-final. I think under another manager, I'd say final, possibly even a win. I fear that Southgate's going to go five at the back and just stifle our attack. I think that's what he's done throughout Every friendly I've watched, I don't want to see a back five of Trippier, Walker, Stones, Maguire, Chilwell, but I imagine that's what it's going to be. And I think as a result, we're going to struggle when we come against the bigger teams, the bigger, better teams that, that we're not going to have that attacking flair to get goals against them, which I think is a shame, real shame. I think this is one of the best generations of, as a football team we've had. Um, there's players on there which are on a world-class level. Harry Kane up top is the best striker I think I've ever seen England have. I think he's better than Rooney and better than Owen. I think he's a talent we've never seen before. The way he scores goals from anywhere on the pitch, the way he can pass the ball at the moment for Spurs, he can ping 50, 60-yard balls. He's just genuinely a world-class striker, and we need to make the most of him and hopefully win a tournament under him. Yep, fingers crossed. 
Okay, and that brings then to the slightly different episode of the 3PL podcast. Thanks again to Angus for joining us, and I'm sure we'll all be keeping tabs on the build-up to the Euros. But next week, we'll be back again to preview all the upcoming games in the Premier League as we approach the final 10 games. Until then, make sure you are following us on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. And we'll catch you all again next week.